Hello and welcome back to the Missing Links podcast. We're joined today by a very special guest, Simon Byford of PGA Life 365. Welcome, Simon. Thank you for joining us on this episode. First of all, how are you and how are you dealing with the uh, the pandemic so far? How's it gone for you? Yeah, good evening. Yeah, thanks for letting me come on and all that stuff. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ed. Hi, Joe. Um, Pandemic's been interesting for golf, hasn't it? It's um, as horrible as the situation is. I think golf's actually come out quite well out of it because it's one of the things that we can just do, can't we? We can be socially distant. We can not share equipment. We don't really need to get anywhere near each other. We're all grumpy anyway, so we don't necessarily want any contact with anyone. And um, yeah, golf's actually come out really well out of this, hasn't it? It's not bad. I think it's one of the things that stood out us to us the most in, in, in well, it's probably you've seen it the most, but uh, from our group of friends, our peer group, I don't think we've seen as many of us playing golf from different spheres of the world than ever before. We've all, well, me and Ed at least have got a tennis background and we, we absolutely love golf now. And we know so <laughs> many people who are literally the same and all our mates are playing golf. It's ridiculous. But uh, my, my Instagram is actually permanently covered it in uh, golf stories at the minute all, all sorts of people who are never I've never ever seen playing golf before I, I, I thought, thought about this afternoon there was like 10 people playing golf on a Monday evening like when when does that ever happen goes to show because you can't get a tea time at the local local municipal now which is, uh, <laughs> which is going to say something it's that you know you have to book about two weeks in advance to get in there so which is a good thing for them and for us I think as well but yeah so. I mean it, it, it happens it's been great. I mean, there's lots of people that have been hanging on to cricket careers, rugby careers, football, tennis careers, you know, that sort of kind of mid to late 20s, early 30s, which is the demographic that golf really needs. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they're all coming across the golf. So it is good. It is good. I mean, the tea time side of things has been a new thing for a lot of clubs. I mean, you know, it's a big culture change for people, a lot of people to have tea times, you know, to be specifically needed to be on the golf course at a certain time. Ben, would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, people, you know. I mean, the, my mates who, my mates who, who play now, actually, do you know what? My, myself included, uh, as, t- as, keep, as hard as timekeeping is, some friends, from friends who I have, who used to think turning up 20 minutes question like, was leading to, yep. It's all right. <laughs> it's, it's not all right. Um, <laughs> And it's um, it, it, it's hilarious. It's um, I've I've played a few times with um, with friends who who uh, enjoy in, enjoy it, but they don't they don't understand they don't understand that me taking it seriously and saying be on time and, uh, and do all the right things is uh, is, is normal. But because um, it's such a different sport to any other sport, any other ball sports, um, where you turn up and have a kick about, so you've got to be on time, you've got to be prepared, haven't you? But um, and that's something I still can't do. So. And never mind all, all people knew we were getting into golf having to be there on time. But uh, yeah. As, exactly. as, Simon, as Simon was alluded to in a prior, prior TikTok and or Instagram video. that More than <laughs> one. He's definitely... More than one. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's good. So uh, we'll delve right in now. I suppose, Simon, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do, where you've come, come from and, and what your history is um, in the realms of golf. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, I've been, I've been a PGA professional since 2004. Um, that's when I started my training. Um, 
Came out of university in 2003, studied sport and exercise science down at Brighton. Um, was a tennis player, played performance tennis, played um, county regional tennis. Um, did all my coaching badges at university because university paid for all the qualifications I wanted to do. So I did basketball coaching, volleyball coaching, swimming coaching, tennis. I did my DCA. I did everything that they would offer. Um, started coaching tennis uh, on... Um, in Brighton uh, on a weekend um, and I know I don't think he's here tonight is it Matt that's yeah. a tennis coach yeah he's not yeah um, I was interested to have a chat with him because I completely fell out of love with coaching tennis once I started coaching tennis um, came out of uni with an eight handicap so never really took golf amazingly seriously growing up played I mean I got down to nine handicap as an 11 year old but never really pushed it any further than that because obviously tennis um, took over at that point. Um, and then luckily enough, got offered a job off eight handicap to train to be an assistant pro. Got my handicap down to two in four months um, of proper solid hard work. Um, turned pro, did my coaching badges um, and have loved it ever since. I mean, it's a great sport to be a coach in. Um, I think I come from it from a slightly different angle in so much as I never wanted to, I never even thought about playing, playing golf for a living. I never came to it from the tour side of things. I was just a normal golfer that happened to have a load of qualifications in coaching other sports and kind of bring that angle to it rather than necessarily someone that had played and hadn't made it and, and went at it that way. So it just, you know, give me a different perspective, I think, on, on sort of the aspect of golf coaching and yeah like I say what's that 15 16 years later still absolutely loving every minute of it that's <laughs> that's amazing about the tennis as well because uh, me Ed and Matty uh usually think about golf in terms of tennis and we, how we strike the ball and we make an analogies based on tennis first and then try and apply yeah. that to our golf and and, and that's how yeah. we work it through yeah, yeah, skill transfer is a massive thing, isn't it? It is. I was going to say, firstly, we should say <laughs> when tennis comes up, Ben's face will just drop because he's so sick of hearing our tennis like yeah. uh, crossovers with golf. Every, every, every golf shot. Oh, that's just Ed. That's just like your forehand. Oh, Joe, that's <laughs> Joe, that's your backhand. I'm uh, like, what? Yeah, except the ball's on the floor, so it's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I picked up a picked up a tennis racket out of the back of my car in the in the uh, in the uh, car park of the golf club after golf the other day, just to get heckled by these boys for the way I was holding it. I didn't know you could hold it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you could hold a tennis racket more than one way. Um, yeah, it's been close to hold it by the bit that's covered in cloth, not the <laughs> other end where the strings are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but fantastic achievement getting down to nine handicapper as eleven eleven year old mm. boy. That's very impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that was, that, that was quite good. And that was, to be honest, that's where my golfing kind of stopped, really, because then the tennis kind of took over as a performance sport. And if you've played any sport to any level, they want to keep you in that sport and not let you play other sports, don't they? Um, and I think that's something that hopefully coaches and sports have learned now that kids need a variety of sports. You need to play as many sports as you can, and then if you happen to ex excel at one of them, sort of later on in your teens, then then obviously specialise. For sure, for sure. And I think that's, um, I suppose, definitely me, me and Ed have, have gone through that, haven't we, Ed, in, in terms of what we did. I played a lot of hockey, I played a lot of football um, and a lot of tennis, and it wasn't really until 16, 17 that my tennis really 
jumped on and, and Ed's as well. Um, and Ben, you've just been just <laughs> slogging it out on the golf. <laughs> I've been playing golf my whole life and, I'm, and these boys just picked it up whenever they fancied it a couple of years ago and, and I'm there trying to uh, justify the last uh, many years of playing. But, uh, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's being in, it's, that's the, the benefit of a competitive environment as well. I think obviously you boys play tennis with the ambition of competing too and I, I, I never really, I play a lot of, I play football, rugby, things like that, but individual competitive sports I think are so good for your um, personal development, your character. And that's, I think that's why you boys can play golf because you've got the discipline from playing tennis individually, whereas I've got the experience of playing fast-paced, a, a random, you know, a random game with lots of the people where you can defer blame and and um, and it, it's just about turning up on the day, whereas golf, I think it takes a bit more uh, time and patience, which you, I think you probably relate to everything from te- as well as obviously the the physical aspect of tennis, the mental side of it too definitely probably relates to golf. I'd say probably more sure. than most other sports. And the resilience, I think resilience is key for golf in particular. <laughs> After you've had an absolutely sodden day, uh, it's raining, it's pouring, and you're still trying to score as well as you can and try and strike the ball as well as you can. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think tennis is much more process as well. Whereas all the sports, Ben, you probably played were all reaction based. Absolutely, yeah. And- I wouldn't say that your your quality of reaction is is any bearing on golf whatsoever. Like the ball is stationary, the target is pretty much always stationary. You, what are you reacting to? You know, yeah. unless you are Johnny Wilkinson in rugby or David Beckham, etc., Cristiano Ronaldo in football, and you have that process for that, you know, placed kick yeah. essentially. It's completely different. You're just basing your reactions on what's going on around you. Um, obviously, tennis serve is a process as well. You know, you see the players have two, four, six bounces. You see Nadal doing all these bits and pieces before he hits. But he does that every time, doesn't he? So there's a process. Um, and I think if you're serious about your golf, I think the first thing you need to do is get a process. Whatever it is, however random it might be, as long as it's not too long in time, get a process and stick to it and literally go, right, I'm just going to hit every single golf shot I hit is going to have this start point and this end point and just do that for a month, you know, and every single ball you hit in practice, every single ball you hit on a course, have that rhythm, have that process. I'm a massive believer that you can have technical deficiencies, things that, you know, potentially would be faults, but if you have a process and you're sticking to that process time and time again, then you've got more chance of being, you know, consistent, which is obviously that magic word we hear or I hear about six million times a week. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And I think also with process, I think if you're doing the same thing every time, I guess when you're making those errors, they appear in the same places, don't they, I suppose? So maybe that highlights errors a bit better. Because I I think one thing I've found myself saying to you boys when we've been playing is I don't feel like I'm ever the same over the golf ball right so I always feel like something's different but there's not the yeah. right structure in place for me to identify what it is so that's a very good point actually I think that's definitely something we could all <laughs> do a bit of yeah and it doesn't hurt that doesn't cost anything to do right. you don't have to look at any less I know you boys are big into your prou- proud of not saying you've never had any lessons we won't go into that <laughs> today but um <laughs> you ha- you should have you know a golf lesson with me might just be let's build you a routine you know Actually, if you wrote down a list of all the physical things that you have to do before a golf shot, so pick your target, look at the lie of the ball, pick your club, 
look at the environment factors, look at your aim, you know, your alignment, five things. If you align those five things to five things mentally you're going to do, like whether that's breaths or putting your glove on to start your routine or putting your trolley in the same place or your bag in the same place every time. If you marry those two things together and you make sure you do those five things every single time before you hit a shot, that's actually pretty powerful to learn that. And you might spend half an hour with me just doing that. And actually you probably feel like at the end of it, hopefully you're a better golfer than when you started. It doesn't have to be technical swing positions and looking pretty on a video camera. Cause when you watch the guys on tour, they don't all look the same, do they? Absolutely. That's really, really interesting you brought that up, actually. Um, and that's probably one of the most relatable things. We will touch on it later. But I know from a tennis perspective, we always said, like, it doesn't matter what your swing looks like. If your racket, the ball, you, all you've got to do is on contact, you've just got to be hitting the, like, having your racket in a certain position. What happens before that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably something that's really relatable to a lot of amateur golfers, because I know myself included in this. Uh, I am constantly thinking about, oh, I need to keep my club, a li- I need to go back in my stance, I need to go forward in my stance, I need to go, I'm going to try opening my feet up this time, I'll try closing my feet up, and whether it's the right or wrong thing to do, I'm constantly trying to change things and trying to hold yeah. my club in a different way. Or, um, And you're right, like a process and a consistency is definitely key to, to probably improving. So, um, mm. yeah. And we also allow it. Allowing the randomness factor as well. So, Ben, Ben, close your ears for a second because we're going to talk again about tennis. But if you say your forehand, if you tried, if you tried to hit your forehand eight inches in front of your body every single time, you would never play. You'd never be able to play. And actually, sometimes you'll hit your forehand eight inches in front of you, but sometimes it'll be behind you or higher or lower or left or right. You, you have the intention of what you're trying to do and then you work around what you're given and I think that's the same thing with golf. Rather than having saying, right, you have to have the ball in the middle of your stance for this club or at the front of your stance for this club. Well, sometimes you're not going to be stood on level ground, are you? Or you're going to want to make sure that you hit the ball to your target or to the right of your target. Therefore, for example, you might push the ball back in your stance a bit to make sure that if you miss, you miss on the right side or the correct side. And you can do that with just your setup. I think too many people are trying to search for perfect rather than actually just trying to play golf and I always have a big a big sentence that I always say with my lessons is when we're having lessons we're playing golf swing that's fine on the range but when you're on the golf course you need to play golf you don't need to play golf swing and how many times do you hit a bad shot and blame it on one thing where every single part of your body has moved Mm. it's so dynamic golf it can't be it can't just be because you haven't had a flat left wrist or whatever it might be that make sense absolutely That was about tennis, and I, and I completely understood it. That was really good. There you go, you see. Yeah, I think that's quite important to be able to relate stuff that you know in your own lives when you then take it to golf, because yeah, golf's yeah. another language, isn't it? You know, some of the terminology in golf, even, like, even I, even you guys, don't understand fully what certain things mean, and what it might mean to me, potentially as a technically correct term, doesn't necessarily mean that you guys see and hear it and understand it the same way. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that I, I in, in coaching, I've only ever had one official golf lesson in my life, but when I've spoken with, with pros and, and I think heard reviews from other people who've had lessons with pros, I think a lot of it is understanding. And I think, I, I don't think there are many, well, there probably are, but from what, you know, I think what, where a lot of them maybe fall short is that they probably don't change the process of their coaching for different people. And I think from what I've heard, you know, I hear the same things about the same coaches and stuff like that. So I think, you know, you need to 
approach it with it, it, obviously each golfer being different like you say everybody's going to understand things it's the same when you teach I'm, I'm an awful teacher if ever I have to show anybody anything I can't I, I'm really bad at it because I don't think I can take enough time to realize that everyone's different and everyone responds to things differently you know um it's like when you're in when you're in school people always talk about whether you, you learn by doing or by seeing and things like that and i think probably coaches i'm sure plenty of them do but the bad reviews i've heard i think that's probably where people are going wrong is by not realizing that you know everyone's going to be receptive to different things and understand things in such a different way so that's very true yeah yeah i think it's important to know the person that stood in front of you and i think that's where i certainly pride myself in taking time to understand the or try to understand the people that are in front of me so even if it's just that first five minutes of meeting someone for the first time i've got six seven ten questions that i will fire at everyone and then from that i'll then get an idea of what i can use or what i can try and use to help them the quickest because i think if you're stood in front of someone for the first time you have to make a difference if as long as you make some form of difference and they go away with a better understanding of whatever it is you're trying to do then i think that's that's all you should try and do as a coach i think again i've seen it from from the lessons i've had in the past and from other things in other sports coaches try and impress on people maybe too much of what they know rather than actually saying look you know this is what you're going to need to do one thing let's sort that out first and then and then move on as long as the player then knows what might happen and they've got some good drills to go through afterwards then hopefully they'll improve Sweet. I suppose, and I that, could talk about coaching all day long, to be honest. So I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> we can listen. <laughs> it, it, it's a nice segue, uh, as one might put it, into uh, kind of the next question in terms of uh, your own individual twi- tuition and PGA Life Three Six Five itself as a brand. Um, and I suppose uh, to us, the viewers and listeners, uh, can you tell us a bit more about that itself and how it began and how it started to. Uh, pick up on the TikTok side of things and, and how your social outreach has grown at least over the last six months. Yeah. TikTok's gone crazy. And um, yeah, we'll go, we'll, we'll let, yeah, we can end on TikTok. Um, Cause it's, to be honest, it's something I really didn't, it didn't, I didn't see it coming. And, but anyway, so basically I, I am fairly old and I remember coming out of university in 2003 when MySpace was still around Facebook and Twitter was just starting to come around. Um, and, and I saw this great opportunity to try and reach new people. Um, the internet was obviously a massive thing. Um, broadband and Wi-Fi was just starting to become a thing rather than dial-up, which obviously was just not usable. Um, so I often thought of different ways to do it. Um, and I made, I made the classic mistake that so many people make of making excuses that the golf club that I was at, which isn't where I am now, wasn't good enough, wasn't aesthetic enough, didn't have a range, didn't have this, didn't have that, made all the excuses why I shouldn't be making content. And I remember specifically Mark Crossfield in 2006, 2007, just being the person that you, when you went on YouTube, he was the only one doing it. Boom, he was doing like, two, three, four videos a week, reviewing every product, doing all this stuff. And I thought, I could do this, but I haven't got access to the clubs or I haven't got access to this. And, yeah, making every excuse in the world. Um, and then a friend of mine who's a bit younger, um, who's a good, really good cricketer, actually, he turned PGA Pro. And we said, his name's Adam. Um, and we said, right, let's do something together. Neither of us are particularly great in front of the camera, but if we work together, 
So I can talk to you, you can hold the camera type thing and we work together. What can we, what can we do to get some coaching content out there um, and then to try and reach people basically mostly on YouTube and Facebook at the time. So we came up with PJLI 365. Um, Whenever was that? That was probably six, seven years ago. So maybe 2013, something like that. Um, and, and made videos. We made, um, we did a weekly show reviewing what was going on on tour, et cetera, coaching videos, but never really kind of, kind of took off. Um, because we were, we're both full-time coaches. So it was difficult obviously to find the time. And then I went over to Ireland to coach camp where a whole load of PJ pros go. Uh, one of my friends that I trained with was actually organizing it, which is really fortuitous. Um, and I went over to stay with him in Dublin for a couple of nights before the actual event. Um, Mark Crossfield was speaking. Dana Dolkus was speaking. Who I don't know if you guys know Dana Dolkus, but he's a pretty big um, American coach. Uh, a guy called Joe Mayo, who um, goes by the name Trackman Maestro. You may or may not have heard of him. He's not really on socials anymore. Um, and a guy called Martin Chuck was the other speaker who owns the Tour Striker Training Aid products. And if you've heard of them. Anyway, they were the key speakers, and I got the opportunity to play golf with three of them, not Dana Dolquist, but got a chance to play with Martin Chuck, um, Joe Mayo, and Mark Crossfield in Ireland. Um, and I obviously gravitated towards Mark because I'd not met him before, um, and he's kind of was doing the stuff that I wanted to do. And he was like, look, forget all the excuses, forget everything, just literally do it. And, um, and I was like, okay, right. So then came back, and we hit the ground pretty hard for a few years, then all the stuff happened on YouTube with Logan Paul. I don't know if you remember that back in 2014, 2015, where they completely changed the algorithm. Um, and we were getting good views, but not necessarily turning them into subscribers. Um, so the YouTube content kind of, we kept it going, we kept it going. And then obviously I did Project Left, which we'll get onto um, in a bit. Um, and we, the two of us, um, and we have another guy called Ryan, who's our amateur, who's 17 handicapper, again, documenting his journey, kind of like you, you guys um, are doing as kind of like the amateur aspect of our channel, of our brand. Um, we each took a social media platform. So Adam took Facebook, Ryan took Instagram, and I took Twitter. Um, and this was maybe two years ago. So I just ran, ran the Twitter account. And, and you'd post stuff and you'd make little videos and you'd get nothing back from it. Um, and then January this year, one of my friends from university contacted me um, and he works at TikTok and he was like, Sai, you need to, you need to get on TikTok because I think golf's going to be pretty massive this year. Um, you're pretty good in front of a camera. You're quite good at short form content. Get on it. Um, and I was like, okay, what is TikTok? Because to be honest, for me, TikTok was just kids dancing, which I think it was kind of for all of us, wasn't it? To start yeah. with, we thought, well, what's, yeah. what, you know, and then, I made a few videos. I didn't, and if you, I know you probably haven't, but if you scroll back far enough, you'll see my first, my first few videos where I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm like, I'm just going to make some stuff and see what happens. Um, and I, and one of the great things about TikTok is for me, the ability to video reply to comments. And, um, I started to do that and, and my comment section and the engagement started to go crazy. And so you replied to a few more and then, people give you questions that give me inspiration to then go out and film something and you can film something that's 15, 20 seconds, nine seconds long. I don't say easily, but quite simply either within the app or within um, editing software and get it out there and actually looks quite good. Um, and, it, and TikTok as an algorithm gives you a chance to reach new people every single time. 
so if your content's engaging it is a great platform to reach new people and and you know i am the i'm the sole runner of the tiktok account because the other boys were like what the hell is this what are you doing and and i've worked pretty hard since march when we went into lockdown and um i think i think we get about a million 1.1 million views a week and it's just like it's just crazy and it, you know it's that it's that community that i've kind of always wanted to grow and knew that i had the info to to spread that word and to give that um sort of advice but never never managed to have the reach and that's what this platform that platform does more than anything would you agree for, for sure and i think that the whole i mean the whole story is um i suppose it's one of those things that don't don't ever stop doing something that you enjoy as well right because you never know when it all comes together um yeah, definitely you never know when it comes together but you, uh, you could say that the years prior building up to that point of getting you in front of the camera, getting you comfortable in front of the camera, create honing your craft as it were in those kind of that short form content and whatever it was built up to this moment on TikTok, And then it, the platform's there for you and you, you're starting to maximize the benefit and potential from it. And I think yeah. you're right. And, and so the example you, you pulled out in terms of responding to individual comments and questions I think I remember personally seeing that when you started to do that and it just, it just replicated and it cycled and it just grew and it was snowballed and it just became one. It, it was just one thing after another and it kept growing and growing and growing. And as you say, I mean, this is the thing it gives you or well, golf in itself is a, uh, a content, beautiful sport to some degree. And you're just getting content after content you can make and produce and, get out and help people and that value added is uh is consistent and it will always be there it will always mm. be there if someone's got a question that you can respond to and you have the knowledge again this is honed after many many years in the sport you can deliver that knowledge relatively quickly so mm. yeah, I mean, literally very quickly you can make a video you can make a video in 30 seconds literally 10 seconds talking to camera quickly write some blurb i've got you got your bubble hashtags that you just copy and paste in there choose your cover shot post done and and, and you could do that you know i could do that i could spend 10 minutes and make 20 bits of content spread the release you know save them all to my drafts or save them all as private release them sporadically throughout the day and i've not really felt like i've had to work too hard for it yeah. um it gives you and obviously the work has gone in the in the background with the knowledge and whatnot but the actual physical making content you don't have to like it's really nice that i've got this set up and i need to sort out my usb lights that keep turning off but i don't need any of this i can literally i could literally sit in my bedroom and there are plenty of videos on my tiktok where i am literally sat on my bed making videos and no one cares about what it looks like as much as you say yes golf is aesthetic one of the things with tiktok is it's not supposed to be it doesn't have to be pretty it just has to be like you say value added yeah so it's um it's it's a fascinating platform as well and mm. a route to um in some ways funneling uh interested parties to places where you you also want them um which is is another fascinating aspect of it as well so mm. and uh it's yeah it's, it's an interest and this is the other thing the golf community you're picking up, you're, you say you've grown your own community. There are people there that you will see consistently day in, day out, enjoying your videos. 
And, yeah, yeah, and obviously, you know, you, you look at it from obviously there is a business aspect to it. So my arm yeah. has gone up massively because of it. I've got people traveling further to see me for individual and face-to-face lessons. One of the big things that we've done locally, excuse me, with our brand is golf holidays and golf trips. Yeah. And that's now something that because of this audience, we can now offer bigger, better, wider things more often. And of course that will make us some money, but it also opens doors. You know, one of the things that if you travel with, us as a PGA professionals, we can get the best deals because we can contact the local clubs. We went and did, we had a trip in 2018 to Le Golf National. So we went to, went to the Ryder Cup venue, um, literally the March after they played the Ryder Cup. Um, and we had three nights, four rounds of golf, everything included. And it was a fantastic deal for the guys. They obviously had to find their own way there, but most people just drove and went on the Channel Tunnel. And we had a fantastic time. We had a great um, holiday um, lined up for Spain this year. So five nights, six rounds of golf, all inclusive hotel um, on March the 24th and lockdown was on March the 23rd. So that was interesting. <laughs> uh, on March the 22nd, we were still flying. They hadn't canceled that flight. The hotel was closed, but the flight was still, was still on. Um, and yeah, so that was a quite a fun few hours trying to get that all sorted out for the guests and stuff. But yeah, one of the things that we want to do is far more, UK and worldwide based holidays, basically coaching holidays. That's a really that's that's a really unique thing, I think, because um, we we recently uh, went on our first sort of golf golf trip. Um, we didn't go too far, but we um, and we only did a couple of nights. But that's a really interesting way to look at it. So these just a curiosity. So these are golfing holidays. You play the six rounds, and there's coaching involved throughout, basically. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things we want to make sure is that every day there is a coaching slot booked. Yeah. So we want we we demand we want to always offer private range, so private range space just for you guys that would come on the trip, where Adam and I would be there to give you any coaching that you wanted. It's not compulsory; you don't have to. You know, if you want to have a lie-in or whatever, we'll have a two-hour slot either on the short game area or on the range for you to use. Then we'd have like a mid-morning tea time um, and then obviously an evening meal and, and whatever you wanted to do or whatever we laid on in the evening. And it worked really, really well. The guys could pick and choose whether they wanted coaching or just private space to warm up just to know that you can rock up 20 minutes before the tea time. There will be golf balls there. You can hit balls. You can have a warm-up. If you've got a question or two, we'll be wandering around the range um, and then you go out to play. It was, a, it was really good, really good um, system, to be honest. It worked really well. Yeah, that's a real that's a real niche i've not known anything like that that's brilliant that sounds cool we know um, where to go next time we we're looking to, uh, as well sorry ed sorry? No, so, uh, we know we know where to go next time we want to go away anyway because uh, <laughs> yes. well i'm yeah. sure you'll hear about it on social media so yeah, <laughs> yeah we had we had well we we ended up it, well not our fourth choice that sounds like it was it was a, <laughs> go there but we had three other different places in mind before we got to our uh and the final destination so um yeah <laughs> it's chaos but uh, that's that's a great proposition though really like that which, which also ed is another good segue into uh another piece of content which is uh course reviews and resort reviews by the fantastic four amateur golfers so uh you'll be seeing that no, no doubt in the future i suppose to bring to a close and i'll add this at the end of the uh 
the first podcast as well, Simon. Can you can you just give us a, a bit of insight, your socials, where to find you, uh, everything around that, uh, any promotions you want to do and things like that? Yeah, cool. So, I mean, PGLI365, literally any social media, we're pretty much on them all. Um, PGLI365.co.uk is our website. That will also link you to my personal website if you want online coaching, if you want face-to-face coaching, I'm available available for all of that. I am a full-time coach, so I'm available um, for coaching. PGLI365 is a, is a social brand. It is what it is. Um, there will be golf holidays, coaching holidays, trips, bits and pieces coming up. We're, we're getting pretty good contact with a lot of brands at the moment, so we've got loads of giveaways and stuff in the pipeline. And I think I think you've got to do your bit if you if you get the opportunity to to do giveaways like we said before with charity stuff you know do what you can to give back um and that's hopefully what what you get from us is that it's it's fairly real um and um and hopefully we feel like you you, you know you play some better golf off the back of it perfect thank you very much i say i think on all of, uh, account of all of us it's been a delight to have you on and uh, there's been some really insightful conversation um and thank you very much for that um so thank you everyone for listening i suppose that draws to an end this podcast and we'll see you soon